I'm sure there are some people that might love it, and that's fine. But I couldn't. It meant nothing to me. Brandon, you old Silvermane, you. Oh my God, Lincoln <laughs> Washington. What the fuck was that dude's name again? I don't. Jesus I have God. no idea. I don't know. It's it's like in one ear out the other. You know? It was like two different presidents' names. Like there, there was named him fucking Cleveland Roosevelt or something. Yeah, exactly. Name. It's like oh, you mean Grover Roosevelt? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ro- yeah. Ro- or whatever. I don't know. We, we should probably like kick it off though and like say yeah. what what it is. Well, Calvin Hayes, yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, that's him. William Henry, uh, 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 uh Star. I don't know. <laughs> Lennon. I don't know. Uh, high marks for that one. <laughs> hey, welcome to Dork Night. We're gonna be kicking off the holidays. We're gonna be looking at some of the, uh, you know. Some of the considered the best. Uh, you know what? I fucked this all up. <laughs> it's all right. That's what edit buttons. Dork. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're watching the Dorkening. Stay tuned. and all affiliated shows are not intended for anyone under the age of 18. The following may contain discussions or scenes that have adult situations, graphic violence, nudity, strong sexual content, and graphic language. This show is intended for mature audiences only. Viewer discretion is advised. (laughs) Hey, welcome to the Dork Night. We're going to be talking about some of the best Batman stories for the holiday season. And uh, today, you know, you know what? We're just going to get into it because this was an odd one. And uh, with us, as always, Mr. Justin Cooper, how's it going? Good, good. Uh, uh, I'm sorry for the first story in this book, but uh, well, don't, know, don't be sorry because, you know, it kind of ties into another one. It does. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, for Brandon, how's it going? It does. What? Oh, OK, sure. It, it ties into the annual. As well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It's certainly part of the annual we read. Uh, I'm fine, by the way. Thank you. Um, like, <laughs> I was drinking. Vote. Man, what, what can I fucking say about the several pages dedicated to this story that aren't already explicitly stated on the instructions for a fire starter log? Just absolutely burnable. Dude, this is totally like a weekly comic strip laid out. You know, like like if you ever read Spider-Man in your newspaper, that's how like this whole thing was set up. And you're like, oh, OK, that's how comics used to be before they got good. Webster, I'm sorry. That's the fucking old senator dude's name. Talk to him. <laughs> sorry. It's just so bad. It's not even what we're covering. Just. Just it's just the it's just the first part of this. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's know. interesting how he says it, though. He's like my first foray into the world of politics where I nearly got arrested. And I'm like, oh, OK. I'm like then I'm going through the whole book and I'm like, at what point did Bruce Wayne nearly get arrested? What the fuck is a May West? Yeah. And, and that's that's what like, I, was thinking I understand. Too. The actress, the performer, May West. I get yeah. I get who that is. But like they literally in quotation marks talk about valve releases on the may west that had inflated my costume like what so this was early 60s right this one or maybe mid 60s i'm thinking uh so uh actually i have it up this is february for 1970 how about that okay yeah this is uh so we're talking about batman volume one uh, currently to run in Batman is volume three. So we're looking at Batman volume one issue 219. And this came out in February of 1970. The executive editor at the time was Carmine Infantino. There you go. And the cover artists was Neil Adam and Gaspar Saladino. 
And uh, the writers, uh, actually, the writer listed for this book was Frank Robbins, but I believe the writers change story to story. They do, yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, and uh, penciler was Irv Novick. Inker was Dick Giordano. And letter, and I know I said that wrong. Letter was uh, John Costanza, uh, not from uh, um, Seinfeld. No, because his name is John and not George. Yes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> editor was Julie Schwartz. So as you were saying, so this is, you know, there's multiple stories within this. And yep. one where uh so we're not covering death casts the deciding vote. Um we, yeah, it's it's kind of it's kind of hokey. Like it's it's got some parts to it, but everything is like super convenient. Bruce Wayne is acting way out of character, and it's like none of it like like the setup in the premise is basically like okay, we're gonna do all of this stuff to get Batman onto a small commercial airliner. Okay, what do we have to do for that? You know, and then it's just like all right. And the big crux of it is there's some sort of crime bill that he's trying to get passed. And um, there's this little foghorn leg leghorn who apparently is a Gotham senator or something like that. But, you know, he's like a, a southern gentleman or something that they're trying to kidnap. And again, makes no sense. And, and the moral of the story is Batman can put his costume inside of an inflatable raft and it will inflate to look just like Batman. Oh, yeah. Uh, by the way, and those are the May Wests in question. I, I just yeah. looked it up while we were getting this all set up here and uh how a life jacket came to be named after may west and it just says uh briefly from the name of the american film actress may jane may mary jane may west renowned for her generous bust the informal <sighs> noun may west plural may wests denotes an inflatable life jacket originally as issued to royal air force aviators during the second world war yeah, it makes no sense on why that would be listed as such in 1970 in an airliner. But well, because if you have guys who are in their 40s writing that stuff at that point in time, yep, you know they're thinking about when they were on airplanes, you know, 20 years previous. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so if this was like in the 80s, would it be like Dolly Parton's? Yeah, kind of, right? No, I think I think if it were in the eighties, they'd be called life jackets, <laughs> or uh, just... Bo Bo Derricks, right? Oh, it'd be called tens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at the life jacket, Dork. Think he's gonna drown? <laughs> God, this, this was such a ridiculous fucking story. Yeah, I mean, it, it's got it's got some cool stuff in it but it's really like super hokey and and really like oh of course it went down that way like there's there's one interesting part where you know batman and bruce wayne have to be locked up in the same spot and so again that may weston question he used to make a, a fake bruce wayne and then he used the opposite trick to make it a face batman and he used like the old open door so batman must have escaped so i mean there's like they clearly put a little thought into the plot but i mean that's that's it and he goes up against the fucking proto Baron Zemo here. Yeah, I don't even know what's up with that guy because I it, I thought they were gonna reveal him to be like the other senator or something yeah, from this too. one, but I'm like, oh, okay, guess we're not gonna at all oh, discuss who this man. person is. Like, oh, I'd like to be upset that I didn't get a resolution, but I'm happier that this story's just over. Yeah, I mean, hey, he could have just killed everybody too. You know, it's like <laughs> it's. <laughs> But yeah, it's it's over. Ah, so it's to be murder. <laughs> great. Uh, but the, the end of the story. They call me old Silverman, Brucey. <laughs> yeah, I you know I I don't know if that was like a colloquialism of the time or something like that, but it's like it got really old seeing that we're here for old Silverman. I'm like, oh okay. Link, what have I told you about speaking like a grizzled prospector? God, sarn it! Son of mine will be like an 18th century boot black. Oh shit! I just have to say the uh, the last panel. Uh, he's reading paper anti crime bill passed. Like 
anti-crime isn't that's like... the worst superhero name i've ever heard anti-crime bill all right bill we get it you're trying to fucking be a vigilante and if you read like the beginning of this right it starts out with with uh, bruce wayne he's like trying to campaign for like a victim's assistance bill or something like that which is in like direct conflict of this bill so batman lost like this entire so you get to the point where it's like oh the exact thing that he was going against happens and they kind of frame it in a positive light here. You're like, Oh, well it sucks because he was trying to help victims. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck the victims. They don't need shit. And that was a good bit of social commentary though, from, from Batman to show that he actually cares. Cause we've talked about that in previous episodes, like how we liked in the Batman, how Bruce Wayne actually showed empathy for once. And in this yeah. one, it seems like he's got that down, but like everything else is like thrown out the, the absolute window. Yeah, I'll I mean, just kick the exactly, pilots. He's not exactly cracked up, like you know, he's he's not he's not too terribly hurt by this in the last panel. He's like kind of like fucking Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh well, <laughs> I guess that's that. Like, Tomorrow right. is another day. Yeah, yeah. God <laughs> is my witness. I love the timely references on our show, too. Yes, yes, because uh, we're all actually 70. 1939 was the year. (laughs) Batman had just been created, and the box office is set ablaze. I'm not trying to cause trouble here. I just want to say, I like Ike. You're going to (laughs) be... Oh, Oh, man. Uh, So so to get with the times... uh... (laughs) Uh, the uh, story is all the way up to the 70s now. I know, I know, I know. Uh, so the Silent Night of the Batman. So uh, talking about holiday stories. And uh, this here is uh, uh, one that was a little bit odd. But um, and this is Neil Adams artwork, isn't it? This one. I, I yeah. Well, he, he did the cover. Uh, what, one of the stories in inside he yeah i think this is neil adams artwork too yeah because it's like you you look at that and it's like you're like oh yeah this is this is something you know, <laughs> oh cause... yeah this is neil adams artwork <laughs> yep well in in comparison to the next story though when you see it you're like okay this looks like 1940s artwork as opposed to like yeah. right here that's true that's that's yeah. fair so uh, it begins, night falls on Christmas Eve in Gotham. The sidewalks bustle with last-minute shoppers. Hey, we had uh, last-minute shoppers back then, too. Uh, a peaceful, almost heavenly scene would injustice, not the new comic, uh, and tragedy dare creed. In, uh, and there's too much contrary experience to believe otherwise for the Batman. And All right, we... good good story, man. Yep, and we got the bat signal, bat signal going off. Yeah, uh, yeah. Then as the eerie bat signal shimmers against the snow-filled cloud, the atmosphere takes on a celestial comp- composition. For two thousand years, mystics have experienced the many mysteries surrounding Christmas, but tonight Batman's gonna, ex- you know, uh, have something else happen. I feel like uh, Vincent Price should be reading that first part there. <laughs> it's, it's I, I wouldn't hate that. Thriller. Yeah. yeah. Then, as the eerie bat signal shimmers. <laughs> yeah, all right, Vinny. The 13 ghosts of Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> My son, Judy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, and uh, Batman. There will be one more. <laughs> The uh, Silent Night of the Batman. Man, he would have been an interesting Joker. I, I don't know that I've ever thought about that until now, but I mean, with that laugh, egghead. yeah. I, I, I'm I was saying Egghead is comparable to Joker. No, I mean, he no. was in the show. I think. I think though, the, the funny thing about Egg Egg um, was it Egghead is that yeah, he yeah. was actually kind of uh, formidable, which is weird. You know, you're like, oh, I'm an egg themed villain, but I can actually mess some stuff up. <laughs> you're named after an egg but you're incredibly hard to crack <laughs> exactly I enjoy dramatic irony <laughs> and you are so hard boiled Cape Crusader yeah. <laughs> egg on your face now <laughs> Ooh, the yolk's on you <laughs> <laughs> oh shit oh uh... <laughs> 
So Batman uh, Christmas story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I, I was going to say, you know. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'll stop. <laughs> uh, I was going to say, you know, he wakes up Robin in the morning. Robin, Robin, what day is it? <laughs> Today, we, Batman, it's time. Christmas Day. You, boy, what day is it? <laughs> Quiet, you. Boy, what day is it? You, boy, wonder. <laughs> Why, I think it's St. Swimming's Day, Bruce. <laughs> Keep us for breakfast, said at Helga. <laughs> oh, good. There's still time, then. The spirits have done it all in one night. <laughs> What spirits is them, Bruce? This entire bottle of wild turkey. <laughs> <laughs> Why was that Miguel Ferrer? in the Batcave. All, all, all I heard was Miguel Ferrer from The Stand, from Stephen King's The Stand right there. And he's like, Randall Flagg is going to get it. Like, that's your Batman channels that Miguel Ferrer. And I don't hate it. You know, she's going to be trouble, Flagg. <laughs> all i believe in are my tight jeans and my mullet <laughs> george clooney is my cousin i did not know that what no i i knew his dad uh was an actor but i didn't know that about yeah Miguel Ferrer. His, you know who his mother is mrs Rose, ferrer rosemary clooney oh that makes sense okay yeah. i didn't know that I, ju- I just knew who his who his dad was so jose ferrer he looks just like his dad. Well, look like his dad. But yeah, um, Rosemary Clooney and Peter Clooney. Oh, I'm sorry, Nick Clooney, brother and sister. Yeah. is Nick's son. And Miguel is Rosemary and Jose Ferrer's son. That's why George Clooney had Miguel Ferrer in so many different things, because they grew up like brothers and they were both actors. I loved him in RoboCop. I mean, there, there's many there's many roles that he's been amazing in, but like RoboCop is that that one that I always go back to. Yeah, it's it, it, so good in that one too. How they really set him up like he's going to be like a much bigger deal by the end of that movie, and not quite. Yeah, not quite. <laughs> Truth. Yeah. Um, but yeah, speaking about m- machine like fighting of the crime in a city. Batman on Christmas. I know. So uh, actually, I just found the synopsis on DC fandom. I'm just going to read this real quick. So despite Batman's conviction that crime doesn't take a night off, not even for Christmas, the Batman joins Commissioner Gordon and his men for a night of Christmas Eve caroling. How exciting. Uh, The night goes by miraculously, miraculously. Not a single crime is reported during the entire evening. Although many chances of likely situations took place, mm-hmm. all the crimes of the night have been stopped indirectly by the figure of Batman. And the, at the break of, da- break of dawn, Batman retrieves to the shadows. Yeah, so, and it's, uh, it's a nice looking book for sure. Like yeah. the, like the artwork is is some really good uh, Neil Adams stuff, and it's not completely confusing but like some of those like the panel that we're looking at now where like the kid is running and you can see that you know there's like a ripped present and then they help him rewrap the present i'm like what the hell happened yeah what, ha- what happened well i i took that as uh oh, so the yeah, the ki- so- yeah the, uh kid stole the gift from the woman oh he stole the gift he okay stole the gift and Got when it. he opened it up he found out it was a batman toy and then he, they decided to wrap it up and give it back to the woman. Okay, all right. I, I misread that. I, yep. I was like, what the heck is going on? So, yeah, it was a I little. Mean, I, I do want to say real quick, um, before we get into the happenstances yeah. of, of the night, um, the fact that you know Batman does get convinced to stay at the precinct. Yeah. His response to you know like where Commissioner Gordon is is just like, you know. I called you in because Christmas Eve is not a night for you to be out patrolling. Tis the season to be jolly. And Batman's reaction is just crime and disaster aren't inclined to observe holidays. (laughs) (laughs) And like Commissioner Gordon's just like, this is going to be different tonight. I just know it. And, uh, you know, Batman's like, I don't don't know. He sounds like he's sincere. And then one of the other cops is like, come on, Batsy. How about contributing your deep vocal cords to some Christmas carols? And 
that's that was enough to get Bruce to stay. Okay. Uh, oh, actually, you go to the, he starts belting out, dashing through the snow. It's it's drawn as automatopoeia in the panel itself. Like, <laughs> yep. It's just uh, it's it's an interesting move. Uh, I will say it's a quick transition from you know, crime doesn't sleep to okay, maybe just a few Christmas carols and, and maybe some eggnog, but not too much. It, it clogs me up and I still want to sing. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, so of the times too, because just like the previous book that we were talking about, it's it's set up with a lot of happenstance and like, oh, of course he did and things like that. So this isn't our grim and dark Batman from 1980s. You know, he hasn't gotten to that point yet where he will actually sing you know, and, and it's uh, it, it's got some goofy elements to it, which is probably what you want in a book like this. That's going to go into uh, like Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so some of the stories like that we Batman interspersed singing We Three Kings with the cops in between, like the kid giving back the, the gift that he rewrapped and, you know, other people. Is that James Colburn, you think, at the end there that they did? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's wow, in like yeah. Flint. That's that's uh that's a pretty strong likeness, I'll I'll say. Wow. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, um yeah, as as you had said previously, Leo, the, the kid, you know, gives the rewrap gift back to the woman that he had stolen it from. Uh we see Batman still there at the at the police station belting him out. And uh a guy who's holding a you know, just below that, walking with a gun, and his hand is clearly unsteady. He's very nervous, and uh, he walks and gets bumped, and all of a sudden he has like Batman in front of him that he's looking up at from the sidewalk, and it's like a a dude dressed as Batman with a Santa beard. I love that. It's so <laughs> insane, you know. And, and of course, he's got the exact costume, you know. It's it's like this is pre cosplay era and all that, so I'm like I I eat that up with a fork and spoon. <laughs> like it, it just it's it's nucking futs. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> it, it, it looks like, like Fat I, Thor. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Like I read this you know single page at a time, and that comes at a turn of the page, and the last fucking thing I expected when I when I turned the page was to see. A, a Batman with a big old white beard and mustache, sunglasses, and a sign on his chest that says "Support Wayne Foundation Christmas Drive for the Blind." Ironic. <laughs> wow. Um, he's blind as a bat. <laughs> so, so would he be uh, Santa Man or uh, Batman? Claus. Bat Claus. Bat Claus. Yeah. Nice. Bat Claus. Yeah. To the bat you sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. Ho ho ho, chum. Be good for Batman's sake. <laughs> Love it. Uh, so uh, yeah, the the guy uh, he decides to throw away his gun. Uh, just you know, as a reminder that Batman's out there. And the last one, I I, I couldn't really. So the woman is, you know, she gets a. I'm assuming it's like like a dear John letter or. So he's in the service, it looks like, right? And she's thinking of like leaving him or something, or possibly jumping off a bridge. Yeah, that... you know, it's like one or the other. I I assume maybe she's she's gonna end it because she, you know, she thinks he's dead. Maybe that's it. Maybe she got the letter that says I mean, that he's missing. I'm, yeah, I'm thinking that. I thought it was that she got a letter saying that he was probably MIA. Yeah, because this is this is Vietnam, like in in that that time. So yeah. Um, the likelihood of uh, him knowing she was going to be on that bridge in that U.S. Army truck that he was in the back of and being able to jump out before she did something regrettable is uh, staggeringly low. But Yeah, poor Alicia Masters. Is that, <laughs> it's like exactly who I thought of when I saw this. I'm oh like, God. is that Alicia Masters from the Fantastic Four? Wow. Yeah. I'm like, when did she learn to see? Yeah. Actually, no. You know what I mean? I, that's actually kind of more Sue Storm than Sue Alicia Storm's Masters. haircut. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because Alicia had like always had like the longer hair and like would have like a ponytail and stuff. But uh, 
Oh, I was wondering, like, how did Batman affect it? And it's the shadow of the bridge looks like the bat symbol. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, she was probably thinking of jumping. Thank God Batman's shadow was on the water. Otherwise, this could have been very, very regrettable. Yeah. yeah it it's kind a, of like it, an anchorman moment here. You know? It was a symbol, a sign. It was a bat sign. It was a bat symbol. <laughs> in in Gotham, I would I would say that all of this makes sense in, in the atmosphere that is Gotham because they're seeing that bat signal like all the time. Yeah. So it's a constant reminder. So it's like when they see something, obviously they are gonna make that jump more than we would as a reader. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And uh, you know, we, we come back to Batsy and the the cool cop quartet and uh they're singing Silent Night, and uh, then Batman <laughs> finds himself saying, "Good heavens! It's six o'clock. We've been singing here all night. <laughs> wow, Bats, just singing the night away." Some oh. detective. He <laughs> <laughs> just lost track. Yikes! Um, and then he—I mean, nothing's happened. It's—it's it's like the spirit of Christmas peace took hold on everyone. I guess. And uh, then we get like a ghostly Commissioner Gordon. Yeah, again, not something that I understood at first read. So I had to go back and, and read this. And I'm like, is this what a metaphor looks like in a comic book? Is this what I'm, <laughs> I'm like, a, am I seeing a metaphor? Like, I'm like, oh, I get it. He's not actually a ghost. So <laughs> is this what a metaphor would look like to me in real life if I were insane? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it definitely like if, if you look at it, it's it's definitely a circumstance where it's like Batman may be crazy. Like there may be yeah. a crazy person under the mat. Like, of course, he knows all the Christmas carols, but he may be a nut. Yeah, nuttier than a fruitcake mm -hmm. that you get around Christmas time. See, it, it all checks all, out. It all it all makes sense. <laughs> But yeah, like the commissioner ghost thingy is just like, like, what is the Christmas spirit, Batman? Might it not be you or I? <laughs> Batman's reaction, like many of us, is just, what? <laughs> uh, Dark Knight Detective, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I love it. He's like, when did you get there? Oh, wait. Oh, is that how I do it? Is that what I do to people? <laughs> <laughs> wow, I really am the worst. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, the the last page there, I could have sworn that was Batman punching himself. Yeah, definitely yeah, it's like it's it. a weird action. You know what it is? He's he's rubbing his eyes on like his arm. His cape. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, he's yeah. like, oh, I must have I must have gotten uh, uh, some of that eggnog in my eyes. What? I don't know. My eyes are playing tricks on me. Yeah, singing till like six will do that to you, man. Yeah, he stayed with those guys like their whole tour of of uh, duty that night. So roughly, probably a six hour from midnight until uh, until six a.m. So that's a lot of songs, man. Yeah. Oh my, my Alfred, give me some chamomile. My throat feels like a fucking pony. <laughs> what on earth do you mean, sir? It's a little horse. <laughs> So uh, so we end this, and actually at the end here, this is where they, they let us know who wrote it and everything. So uh, it was written by Mike Frederick, uh, and the art is Neil Adams and Dick Giordano, and uh, editor was Julie Schwartz. And, Good old uh, Jules Schwartz. Yeah. I love the ads in this. Uh, the ads are great. Yeah, Absolutely. Oh, yeah. They're, I think the last uh, page to this book is, is hilarious, too. So, and... and yeah, you, you'll get there. Uh, the, uh... the the flatter man is essentially like a Batman character by Sir. I think it's Sergio Aragones, uh, Aragones, and um, he's he's basically flying on farts. <laughs> I'm like, this is something else. I mean, look at with the fucking Alex Ross esque like artwork. Yeah, no, it's like Art Deco style. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's outstanding. I'll tell you, if I were 14, I think this would really fucking blow my hair back. But yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. hey, check it out. He's flying, but it looks like he's farting. No way. Yeah, I'm serious. Check it out. It's the power of fat. 
The, yeah, so that those, was uh, those models are pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that will. Um, are those track cars? It, or no, it those says, are actual. It, look, it looks models. like it's models that you could actually race. That's cool. Just don't yeah. get high off that glue. Yeah. Or or do we're not your supervisors? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you do what you want, kids. Like we we're not held responsible. I mean, you're gonna have to fucking travel back a ways to <laughs> try to find those those particular Man, toy cars. I, but I also remember these shitty little helmets that they had there with like the little white piece that you like poke in on the sides and yeah. Yep, you get them in in like uh, you put a quarter into one of those uh, like uh, gumball machines, and it comes out in like the little uh, what do you call it? I don't know, like a little ball or something like that. Yeah. All those things. So do do we get to talk about the follow up story? That's what I want to know because that was that was kooky. Did well, you read the follow up story? Because I fucking didn't. I did. <laughs> oh, guys, guys, I I'll cover this one then. You you gotta you gotta hear this. Sure, go for it. All right, so this is this is kind of like a, a cross between um, like uh, some sort of like Alan Moore uh, future time crime thing, or <laughs> it's it's insane, or maybe like a Futurama. So you you start off with very little explanation about who this character is, but you get the idea that he is he's a rival of another person who's very smart. You know, think of like Victor Von Doom and, and Reed Richards. They have a rivalry, right? So this guy's like, okay, we went to this same college and I came up second after the valedictorian who's this other scientist. So he, and this other scientist seems to beat him in just about everything, except for he's sure that his one invention is going to stop him dead in his tracks. He's invented time travel until he's sitting there with his time travel machine and he hears on the radio, it says, oh, this person who he is an absolute rival with has stunned everybody and he's invented time travel. So he says, get Zooks. I can't believe it. He's done it again. How are we, how am I going to beat this guy? So he says, okay, what I'm going to do is I know they're going to have a big parade for him and all that. I'm going to go 30 days into the future and kill him. Okay. Drastic. Perfectly but, reasonable. So far. I mean, that's, that's the thing. I mean, Realistically, he could have easily gone back in time and, you know, said that, okay, oh, I've sorry, invented Justin, this. Are first. we looking for easy answers? Yeah. <laughs> no, well, I mean, look, the road less traveled. He's a big fan of Robert Frost. So, you know, he, he wants to go through that way. So um, he's got a sniper rifle and all that. So when, um, when this scientist gets up to the podium to take his, uh, his bows and all that, he kills him and then uh, shoots him and then, then goes back in time, back 30 days. So now, he is uh, on this big breakthrough and, um, you know, he's, oh, I've, I've developed time travel and everything. And, and for some reason, he is the one who's, who's there. And the way that this sort of monkey's paw works is that this other person comes to him and tells him, oh, yeah, you did it. You did it. And he ends up 30 days from the time that uh, he was at being the person on the podium congratulated by his friend. And it's a paradox now because his other self who went forward in time 30 days to kill the other guy ends up shooting him himself. And then he dies in the clutches of irony. He's like, no, I did it. I'm the killer. It's friggin' bonkers. No, it's suicide. Andrew Selden has beaten me again. Yeah, exactly. His last words are to just point out the irony of the circumstance. (laughs) And I'm like, how did he know? Oh wow! So, so this says it was originally published in the Phantom Stranger number five from uh, April 1953. Isn't that crazy? And, yeah. and you can tell because of that art style. It's like I said, it's yeah. like where did this come from? So they just needed like a four-page story to fill out the issue, I think. But man, it's why would you? Why would that even be in a Batman book? That's that's like a detective comics book. Well, you know. Because, like you said, they needed something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I was saying, I read that and I'm like, are you reading this shit? To answer the question for Leo and I, no, no, we were not yeah, reading that No, shit. I swear. No. <laughs> I never yeah, would. It, How dare you? <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, that's that's like the magic of comic books sometimes because sometimes they'll just make you think and and what you think of is like, wow, I got this crazy story and I just got to get it out. And it's like, all right, well, it's not good enough 
or long enough to be a Twilight Zone episode. So let's just take this little piece and put it on paper. And that's kind of what you had. It's, it's there, I suppose. It was still fucking really goofy. It, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of questionable choices. Like, first of all, why would you murder someone, but you're only going to murder them in the future? It's like, okay, if, if Rod Serling had popped up on my TV set and was like, submit it for your approval, I'd be like, yeah, I exactly. don't approve. No, I'm done. <laughs> this doesn't have Buddy Ebsen in it. <laughs> bring, bring me something better and do it. Do it now. <laughs> Give me that young Canadian actor. What's his name? Shatner. <laughs> Get me Burgess Meredith. That's the answer to everything. <laughs> you want him to wear glasses this time, sir? No. Yes. <laughs> but make sure that they're cracked. <laughs> uh, Only when he has all the books, though. Yeah. And I've, I've never alert. found anything as interesting as Burgess Meredith found uh, David Copperfield uh, interesting. <laughs> I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> Yeah, no shit. That is uh that's actually like pretty much the most uh whenever I've asked somebody about this and I, I ask people at cons and stuff all the time, you know, what's your favorite Twilight Zone? Most of the time that's that's the number one answer. Which one? The uh oh, I can't think of the name of the episode now. It was like uh, uh all the time in the world or something time like that. Time enough at last. Time yeah. enough at last, yeah. Yeah. And I like the other one that he did where uh he gets to choose how he gets killed and they lock him in a room with uh with a, a bomb, that's that's a pretty cool one too. Oh wow! Um, well, you, you ever I mean, watched the? Um, I, I rewatched another episode he did too. I think he's done. Yeah, he's done numerous. Yeah, at least one more. Uh, where like aliens or or somebody screwing with him, like giving him different abilities while he's in a bar, like super strength and then super intelligence. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't recall that one. Oh yeah, man. Uh, was it Dingle? It's like the incredible Mr. Dingle or something like that. Shit. I uh, I rewatched the pilot originally, and that was really fucked up. Was that the uh, mind, the eye of the beholder? It was. Um, this man is uh, in a town. Uh, there's very few people in the town, and and like uh, they won't let him leave. And he he's like just he wants to leave, and he can't remember how he got there. Um. And the whole thing turns out that he's actually an astronaut and they are testing, uh, you know, how long somebody can stay like isolated. And he went oh, mad. Wow. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. I like that show. Yeah. yeah, it was really good. Wish that show I also, en- that I also enjoyed The Outer Limits. I do too, but those are really bleak at times. Like, it's like, okay, oh, yeah. they, they drop you off an emotional ledge and you're like, what am I supposed to do now? You know, I, it's like, I, you've I made me like feel that. awful. I kind of like that sometimes though. I, I agree with you. And they've had some great stories, especially the, uh, the newer ones from like the nineties, I thought were amazing, but it's, it is one of those things where it's like, maybe you'll come to a good resolution, but I'd say like more than half of them have a, very bad ending <laughs> but that's oh. that's i know i talk about it all the time but that's where one of my favorite frank whaley performances came from is the outer limits what uh what episode was that it's an episode where he's sitting next to someone or across from someone at a diner and he's talking about like something that he did that was bad and all that like i think he shot someone or something and he's like oh there's no coming back from this and the other guy's like just trying to oh and he's actually shot i believe and um the other guy is just trying to like talk him down and they're going through their experiences and then by the end of it they've switched places so frank whaley now has his face and the other guy sitting there in his body you know and, and dies of the gunshot wound and he's like oh i've given you a second chance it's like oh man that was pretty crazy that is nuts yeah it was it was it was pretty good and you know great frank whaley performance well i mean they're usually pretty good so not surprised um, by the way, the name of the episode that I was talking about with Burgess Meredith in it is Mr. Dingle the Strong. Ah. Season 2, episode 19. It has Don Rickles in it as well. Oh, wow. Yep. I mean, everybody loves Don Rickles. I could see him inciting someone in a bar fight. What are you doing, bonehead? <laughs> yeah, he's he's exact. He, he's, the, he's the dickhead in the bar. So, yeah, you nailed that. 
Um, but yeah, it's like there's a couple of aliens that are invisible to everyone else, uh, including Mr. Dingle. But they like, oh, like, well, oh, what if we make him really strong all of a sudden? What if we make him really smart? I, I can't. I think they do a third thing, and of course, Mr. Dingle the whole time was like, why can't I do these things now? Like after it would change each time. And they're like, okay, well, that was enough for what we wanted to see. We'll leave now. <laughs> and then there's these like two other like extra dimensional beings coming in that look like kids or something like that. And like, hey, you done screwing around with that guy yet? And they're like, yes, we are finished. Like, all right, great, it's our turn. And oh, jeez. Start doing the same thing to to Mr. Dingle. Like, he all now suddenly became like a magnet for all this like cosmic mirth. And uh, that's where they kind of like leave the episode. So that dude, that dude was not really left for the better by the end of it. <laughs> uh, I think uh, it'd be a, a fitting end to this. I'm just going to read one of the uh, notes from the uh, letters to the Batcave, uh, ah. you know, just to, you know, show the, the era of time. And, and I'm going to pull this be one. the one from Bridgeport, Connecticut. It is. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh the geez. bleakest of places. Oh, boy. Uh, so, uh, dear editor. Shades of Dick Giordano are better than Shades of Joe Giella, that is. For years upon years on end, I could never figure out why Joe Giella never appealed to me. Come Gil Kane, Bob Kane, Irv Novick, or Bob Brown, the inks pressed the off button on me. Coupled by the raves of LOCs on the inks, I doubted my sanity and resigned myself to admiring cereal box covers. I, I guess that was quite the uh, the disc back in the day. Uh, yeah, take that. Yeah. Uh, but no, now I know why the Giela inks flopped. He's not as much an inker as he is a penciler. His art on Batman newspaper strip was great. Uh, yeah, so back in the day, there was a... Uh, what a backhanded thing. compliment that I was. Know. Yeah, right? Oh, what trite adjectives, he says. I can dig up. Turned wow. anchor, Giela took out the natural life of many artists' pencils. They were stagnant, uninteresting, and two-dimensional. Comes along Mr. Giordano, and the pencils of Irv Novick are crisp, fresh, and revitalized. Technically, Giela never varies the thickness of his brush lines, causing a monotonous sameness throughout the magazine. Not so would Mr. Giordano, the speed with which his inks uh, makes the lines. What the heck? Why go on? I'll just bore the world with compliments. That's from oh. Claus Johnson from Bridgeport, Connecticut. Wait, Klaus right. Johnson? I got, I, got I got a couple things here. <laughs> All right, so for everyone listening, it's Dick Giordano. I've always heard it as Giordano. It's Giordano. Is it, oh, is it? Oh, really? Is it Giordano? Okay, my mistake. But um, Leo, that that is a clearly Scandinavian name. That is that is Klaus Janssen. <laughs> is he is he not the one who would go on to be a an artist? Who? Klaus Jansen? Really? Maybe. I, Wouldn't that yeah, be something if that's the friggin' letter you... I, I have seen that. Yeah. I saw George R.R. R. Martin write into uh, the Fantastic Four. Oh, so Klaus he, yeah. Jansen. German-American artist. German-American artist. From Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, yeah, working reg regularly for Marvel Comics and DC Comics, sporadically for independent companies while he's best Settling with his family in Connecticut, where he lived in Bridgeport from 1957 yeah. to 1972. You've got to be fucking wow. kidding me. Wow. Wow. Leo, you just you just unearthed the friggin' treasure chest. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy that was working with Frank Miller, yeah, you know, and I mean, like, dude. And I mean, like less than less than Daredevil. 15 years after this issue, he would be working with it. Yeah, Daredevil, absolutely. But I oh. mean, like Batman, Batman Year One. So his career after a short stint as assistant to Dick Giordano in the early seventies, Jansen's work credits com Janssen's uh, work. <laughs> First credited comics artwork was published in Marvel Comics in Jungle Action Number Six from seventy three. 
Johnson uh, came to prominence as an inker over yeah. Sal Basema's pencils on the Defenders. Nice. That that's some good artwork too. The Sal Basema's Defenders. He worked on Batman Spawn War Devil. Is that the new one? The crossover from '94. Oh, that one. Okay. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. also Grant, wor- Doug Munch. Uh, World War Hulk. Um, yeah, seen some Termin- stuff. Wait a second, Terminator Three: The Judgment? Master Race. Oh, he inked that over. Um, wow, yeah, because that's uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Andy Kubert did the artwork for that. Oh, he did Tangent Comics: The Batman. Uh, he, wow, uh, yeah, holy flirt and schnitt, dude! Like, wow, uh, Leo, dude. That's insane. You should go play the lottery tomorrow. I know, I know, I know. Hey, just it's a Christmas friends. miracle. Remember who your friends are, buddy. <laughs> me, so me, me, Justin, and Klaus, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not Claus? No, it's definitely not Claus. Klaus you, you know what? I Maybe we should just put this up as a, a clip and tag him if he does social media. That's fucking uncanny, bro. I can't believe you did that. That's pretty crazy. It's funny, the- like the fans becoming becoming uh, art. It's like like the Mark Wade, you know. It's like loves the comics and then ends yep. up becoming like one of the most prolific creators. Dude is like a walking JLA encyclopedia. Like he has just an encyclopedic knowledge of the Justice League of America. It is fucking nuts. I'm just like, can you make my favorite characters talk to each other? Thank you, sir. <laughs> Great. Absolutely. But, uh, wow, good job, Leo. <laughs> well done. Well done. And, wow. and I, I hope that, if nothing else from, from this, you walk away referring to Santa Claus as Santa Claus from now on. <laughs> done. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, Klaus, you thought you would get down my chimney once more, but not as you thought. <laughs> Well, I, I hope everybody enjoyed this uh, this kickoff to the holidays. Next, we're going to be reading, uh, I believe it's going to be Batman Volume 3, Annual Number 1 for our next uh, segment here. So uh, let's uh, kick it off. Uh, Mr. Blandon, where do you like yeah, people interacting and, with you? And believe it or not, we're actually excited about covering that book. Uh, I know that Leo's high energy on that that <laughs> reveal could be misleading but oh man it's actually a really really good annual and uh i was i was very glad to have read it um there was one one story in particular i was like oh, god damn it don't pee my eyes you know and uh just, i pissed all over my face right before i read the comic that's what the problem was and uh <laughs> But yeah, um, it, it, it it's gonna it's gonna be a good one. Uh, but yeah, my name is Brandon Powers, uh, aka Powerful Brandon. Uh, if you want to check me out on, on social media, I'm on Instagram at this Brandon has powers, uh, and you can come on over to Facebook and check out the Powers Combined uh, group. We're just a, a group of dorks that get together for info, news, memes, uh, good times, and laughs to be had by all. Our number one rule there is, don't be a jerk. If you violate that, you will be booted um aside from this you can find me on the dorkening wednesday night podcast uh, every wednesday night at 9 p.m eastern standard time and you can find me alternating with dork night on sundays uh at um comics paradox where uh justin leo and myself uh talk about alternate reality takes and tales of different comics and characters that we all know and love uh, we cover what ifs from Marvel, Elseworlds from DC, and uh, as well as other story arcs and, and storylines from from other series such as Age of Apocalypse or Amalgam Comics. Uh, and you can find those wherever you know, find that wherever fine podcasts are broadcast. Awesome. So the the pee in your eyes would that be Captain America pee? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Why? Why so specifically Captain America? I'm just. I'm so confused oh, by that. Uh, yeah, uh, this week's splash pages. Um, 
next oh, wave. Oh, oh, next wave. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh, okay. <laughs> like I, like I said, I I liked Boom Boom in that one. Well, oh. since since Brandon, aka Superman, did the heavy lifting here, you know, um, I I won't have to tell you about the great shows like Comics Paradox and The Dork Knight, which you are obviously listening to. You can find me in Facebook in Facebook at the uh, the group Epic Shells. You can find me in the Dorkening group or you can find me in uh, powers combined i like to troll around in there too but um otherwise you check out my show epic tales from the sewers the teenage Mutant ninja turtles podcast back to you leo awesome yeah and uh you know i run uh the dorkening podcast network so head on over to the dorkening.com and uh there's a ton of awesome people doing a ton of awesome stuff so just head on over to the dorkening.com you can find everything there and uh yeah we'll uh we'll catch you guys later uh Captain America P. Bye, everybody. Do you have a hankering for horror knowledge? We have such sights to show you. Do you require raging retro reviews? Do you desire discussions with devastatingly dashing dorks? Do have a free the Dorkening Podcast Network has nearly 30 shows to satisfy all of your nerdy, geeky, and dorky needs, from horror reviews and celebrity interviews. Hi, I'm Adam Green, the director of the Hatchet Films and the star of Allison. Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Epis for Family. Hi, guys. This is Dee Wallace from E.T. and Cujo. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill. Hi, this is Samantha Newark, the voice of Jem and Jerrica from the original Jem and the Holograms cartoon series. As well as nostalgic trips into the past, pop culture, the latest in entertainment news, and so much more. Featuring a variety of shows and hosts that will simultaneously enrage, enlighten, and entertain you. <laughs> Check out the Dorkening Podcast Network. My mom says I'm cool. Available on iTunes, Spotify, thedorkening.com, and wherever fine podcasts can be found.